Welcome to the Cloud Architects Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people using it. The Cloud Architects Podcast is sponsored by Kemp Technologies. Choose Kemp to optimize your multi-cloud application deployments and simplify multi-cloud application management. A single pane of glass for application delivery, Kemp provides a 360-degree view of your entire application environment and even third-party ADCs. Download Kemp360 for free today at kemptechnologies.com. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects podcast. Uh, coming to you again from Ignite. Uh, we've tracked Warren down. He's back. Yes. Uh, he's excited as no, ever. No, wait, hold on. It's the other way around. Warren tracked I us tracked down. you down. Okay. Well, we yes. were, all th- we're all together again, which is kind of the important thing. Done four million um, steps today. Yes. Thanks, guys. Um, and we, we're excited to welcome back to the show uh, the ret- uh, returning guest. So, uh, Elizabeth, welcome back. Um, and I think just for those folks who may not have uh, listened to the previous episode we did last year, if you could introduce yourself and, and what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm Elizabeth Olson. I'm a program manager at Microsoft, and I work on Azure Active Directory B2B. Excellent. Thank you. So one of the things that I think we may want to cover for the folks who didn't listen to the previous episode, or maybe aren't there yet, let's talk about what Azure Active Directory business to business is. Mm -hmm. And so let's define that for us. And then let's talk about what it isn't as well. So two prong question there for you, please. Yeah, sure. So I think what it is, is um, it's a way to allow um, a business to get work done with their partners or their, their suppliers or even their customers when they need to do some more collaboration with those people. Um, without having to manage their actual credentials. And yeah. so um, from the, the business's perspective, it's a much better story because they're out of the business of like resetting passwords and managing those credentials. But it's also a greater, it's a better experience for the people coming in to collaborate because they don't have to learn a new set of credentials and they're probably frankly not going to protect that new password very well because they only use it once a week. And so it's on a post-it stuck to their monitor. So that should make everyone a little bit nervous. Um, and so, like, it's just a, a way of letting people get work done, basically, and try to get the identity part out of the way so that um, they're just empowered to, to do more and, and, and get their jobs done. Um, I think it's not, like, a catch-all for everything. Like, it's not necessarily great for a, a consumer scenario where, like, you want to have a website for your, your bank customers or something. You might want to go with something more like B2C there. Um, and there's a, a few tricks if you want to like have those users convert into other types of users later. Then like that's not always going to be super supported. Although we're we're working to like build some more features in that space to give you more flexibility on how accounts live over time. Um, but it's a really powerful way to get that um, external user collaboration and that um, interaction between internal and external people um, to be uh, possible. I'd like to pick on that just for a second yep. because a, a B2B object mm-hmm. is basically still an Active Directory object, an yep, AAD object. Absolutely it is. And I can do things with it, like I can authenticate, mm-hmm. but there's some things that you don't like me doing to it, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, it's not meant to have a password because it's a pointer to me externally mm-hmm. to you, right? So in your tenant, you'll send me an invite and I'll be created as a B2B object in your Azure Active Directory. Mm -hmm. And then I can consume services in your tenant, Mm -hmm. right? But let's think about the migration workflow where let's assume I'm gluing together my tenant and your tenant 
and I have my business persona who's Warren, and Warren I have provisioned in your tenant, but then I now need to migrate some data. So why wouldn't I go and license Warren in your mm -hmm. tenant, because I can, mm -hmm. and start provisioning that way? Is that supported? Um, not fully end-to-end. -end. And so that's why I pushed back on it last year is because there's some things, not everything, some things will work just fine. And if, if the things you need are just the things that work, then like, yeah, it should probably be okay. Um, but I can't promise that everything is going to work. And so that's why we're not comfortable saying that that's a supported scenario yet. It is something we've gotten, we've gotten more and more feedback over time on, like as people become more like cloud native or, or go through their digital transformations, it's becoming more common to have like someone with a cloud account over here who needs to now have a cloud account over there, like merge these tenants or separate those ones and whatnot. Um, and so we're looking into how we can support more of those um, authentication lifecycle uh, mm. states and changes. Um, and, and I think in the next couple years, you're gonna see more features coming out that will support some of those transitions, but without the features being there and being fully tested and supported and whatnot, I get really nervous when people say, oh, I'm just going to change the password on the B2B user. And then like, they're going to be a local user. And I'm like, well, they're, they're not though. And there's going to be parts of the system that see that they're not in a, an internal user and treat them differently. And that may or may not break your scenarios. I'd imagine. Uh, given before you ask that question, yes. sorry. Um, still talking about what, what I can do to that user. Mm -hmm. I can convert the user type as a one-time conversion yeah. So it's no longer a guest, but now it's a member. So it's a full fat user. It, well, they're, they're, either way, they're still a full user object in the directory. They have all the same properties. Um, it's just uh, they're, the user type property is different between guest and member. But there's also an internal property we don't expose that tells you whether they're internal or external. Mm -hmm. And so the, the problem is that because we don't expose that internal property, you don't have a way of saying, hey, this was an internal user or this was an external user. Now I want them to be internal or vice versa. And so there are some apps that instead of looking at the user type property, yeah. they look at that, are they internal property instead? And they make decisions based on that. And so those are the things that'll break. Even if we convert the user from guest to member? Yes. Oh, those wow. are orthogonal. And so we we actually, ha I've seen from, from all the customers I talk to, I've seen the cross product of internal, external versus guest and member of all four are represented and, and not just like a little bit, uh, but there's a lot of representation of um, both internal guests and external members. Um, and it's much more common, like most people assume guests are external and members are internal. And, and that's probably true like 90%, like I'm just pulling a number out of thin air, but I would assume like 90% that's true. But that, that other 10% are these kind of what we, we would originally call an edge case, except based on my conversations with customers, like it's not really an edge case. It's a pretty common case. It's just fewer users are in those buckets. Mm, mm. Yep. Then what happens to all the stuff that the user owns, like in the original tenant? Like, is there some sort of cleanup that sort of happens in the background? Do you know what I'm saying? So yep. a user becomes a fully-fledged member and it gets converted. But now the member that was on the other side that oh, still that's exists. a separate object. Separate object completely. completely. Yeah, they still have that. And that's part of why the con like the conversion end-to-end yeah. -end story isn't there yet. <coughs> because mm. there's no way to, to say like, hey, they were in tenant A. I invited them to tenant B. Now I made them a member in tenant yeah. B. Now I want to get rid of tenant A. If you get rid of the tenant A account, they can't log into tenant B either. Or like yes. the, the account kind of dies a little bit. 
And so, um, and, and like you could reset the password on it and turn it into kind of a local authenticated user, but then there's other apps that are gonna get really confused by seeing like an external user coming in with a password, like I don't know what's gonna happen and throw everything on the floor. And okay. so, um, like it is a scenario that we're aware of and we're trying to figure out how to solve it. We just don't have the solution end to end today. Sure. If you were to hard match that user and start managing via directory sync, would that change anything? Uh, it changes some of it, but not all of it. It still doesn't give you, like you still can't um, really decouple yet. Because that is a very common migration scenario that's happening in the field today, that mm -hmm. we'll go in and provision the world as guests, mm -hmm. start interoperating, and then we start licensing, and then eventually we come to some kind of conversion, then rematching back to, to on-premises. And part mm -hmm. of the issue that you've got there is that your GUID can only exist in one place, in anywhere in the world, once, right? Because AAD is a global active directory, unless you do something like China or Gov. So, sorry for our, our, our listeners. So we've got effectively, correct me if I'm wrong, three AAD instances in the world. We've got the global one. Give or take. Give or take. Then we've got what's happening in China with uh, 21 Vionet, which is the China instance. Uh, we used to have Germany, uh, but we still have, sounds like we may still have Germany. And then we've got government, which is, or US government, which mm -hmm. is completely separated as, a, as another AAD. And mm -hmm. so we're not asking for exposure on anything there. What the point I'm making is that for a normal user somewhere in the world, if you've come from somewhere on premises, you've got to you've got that one GUID, which is why we do interesting things with um, with with other attributes. So the point to that is is that if I want to pin your GUID onto something that was a guest, it's a nice migration scenario, but something's got to give somewhere along the line. I think the the main thing that's missing is we don't really have a way to turn off the original tenant and and have that clean separation with the old account. And Drag and one. drop that object. That's well, what we want. We'll get there eventually. Just we don't have it today. Yeah. That was what I was going to say before is I'd imagine with tenant to tenant migrations, these M&A merger and acquisition scenarios becoming more and more prevalent now. Mm -hmm. You're probably running into more and more of this, right? Where people are oh, going, yeah. hey, this is a quick little shortcut way. Instead of me having to fix all this directory stuff yeah. and then resync stuff, we'll just do it this way and it kind of shortcuts. And so I think it's important for folks to understand that there are deeper implications than what you see sometimes, right? Yeah, and I think the thing that, that gets really um, a little dangerous about that scenario is that um, for the first few steps, B2B works great to get it all set up and get you unblocked and get collaboration happening. And it's when you want to take the like the fourth or the fifth step that things start going like, well, actually, like B2B doesn't do that. And like we're trying to like figure out, like is B2B the right long-term solution there or do we have to introduce a new set of features for migration scenarios or for uh, M&A scenarios. Um, and, and like, it's definitely a scenario we hear tons and we're trying to, to address those scenarios and remove those pain points. Mm. Um, but I'm not gonna promise that the solution ultimately will be B2B versus some sure. other like more customized solution for the scenario. Can you give us an example of something that would break? Uh, so like, because you can't remove that, um, external user um, attribute. Um, there are some apps like I think Teams sometimes will look for that and change the behavior based on whether they find it. And so even if you've made the user a member, Teams might go, oh, no, but they're an external person, so I don't know what an external member is and like, throw things on the floor. 
Oh, wow. Um, and so, like, it's not all the time. Sometimes it works great. And this is why it becomes so tricky because mm. you do some smoke testing. It looks fine. And then you go for 100,000 users and, like, turns out half of them have a problem. Yeah. And now you've got, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so it's, it's something I want people to, if they're going to go down that path, it can solve a lot of great problems. But you've got to do it with your eyes open and know that there's some risks to what you're doing. So from last year, we've moved on a little bit in terms of what we were able to do with BNB. The feature set has increased. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk us through that a little bit? Last year, we were pretty comfortable with I had this guest identity that I could provision and I, was, I could do some stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. How much more can I do this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the main thing that we've focused on in the last year has been uh, an effort we call Bring Your Own Identity. And so when B2B started, it worked great for AAD guests, but nobody else. And yeah. then we added MSA users, but it was still only Microsoft identities. And in the last year, we've worked really hard to bring in anybody with any email account into the system. And so we have Google Federation, which just went GA this week. Um, and that allows you to um, set up your tenant to accept um, Google single sign-on. And so um, that makes it a much better experience for like you have an independent contractor who uses Gmail for their work um, email address. They can just get a, a single sign-on experience to come in and then edit documents in SharePoint or, or participate That's in Teams massive. or things like that. It and is. it's really cool. Hmm. Um, and then uh, we have a similar feature around called Direct Federation, which is for identity providers that support SAML or WSFED. And so you can set up um, pretty much any identity provider does one of those protocols. So you can set up a relationship that lets those users get a single sign-on experience as well. Um, but if you don't have that set up yet or if you just don't want to or for whatever reason, um, anyone who gets invited and has uh, an email address, which you need to invite them in the first place, uh, when they come in to authenticate, uh, our system will be smart enough to say, hey, you don't have an account that we know how to like directly authenticate. So we sent you an email. And if you bring us back the passcode we sent you in that email, then you're in and we'll count you as authenticated. And so that's a really great way that you don't have to know what kind of account someone has when they're coming in or, or like ask your IT to set anything up. Like everyone will be able to get in um, and be an authenticated user when they're accessing your resources. And, and how does policy work there? So like if, um, okay, so I've, I've got a Gmail account, mm -hmm. all right, and I've now authenticated, mm -hmm. but I've got the OneDrive app on my phone. Mm -hmm. but there's an Intune policy that normally manages the users, will that manage that identity as well? So like, can the, can the Intune policy apply to that Gmail no. user? And, uh, no, because <coughs> Intune because doesn't apply to non-normal AAD users. You see, so this is the question, because what happens is if I'm giving you access to my files, I need to make sure that you're accessing my files compliantly. Yes, but I wouldn't let you synchronize those files. Yeah, still, either because way. I can't manage your device. If you were part of my tenant, I could manage your device. Yes, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, isn't that part and parcel how B2B should be? I mean, it should extend, right? Well, or well, so am I I'll wrong? I mean, yes. Um, because so data is very important to the company, right, let's say. Yeah. Absolutely. And so um, conditional access applies to guest users as well. Okay. And so if you have a policy that says only managed devices can access this resource, mm -hmm. then guests generally won't be able to do that because yes. you didn't give them a managed device. Mm -hmm. um, but if you say, like, in order to access this app, then everyone who does that needs to MFA, then your guests will need to MFA too. And so they'll get an experience for registering MFA in your tenant and then going and MFAing ex every time that they need to access that resource resource and so um, you can set all kinds of conditional access policies okay. that apply to guest users as well um, but it 
like some of them, like the, the device one is particularly mm. hard for guests to do, but the rest of them usually you can get um, to work pretty well. So like MFA works great. If you want it to be like, they must be on my network, well, great. Then if they're on your network, they've satisfied that policy. And if Agreed. they're not, then they haven't. Um, and so that's a really powerful thing that actually I found a lot of people assume doesn't work. Mm. Is like, like, oh, well, I would love to have guests, but I need them to be compliant with my policies. I'm yes. like, well, great. Then just put your policies on them and yeah. you're good to go. Done. <laughs> Done. And yes. they're like, okay, great, great, great. But like, I can't do OTP because they can't do policies. I'm like, no, they can too. They're just guests just like everybody else. So yeah. like, if you want MFA on an OTP user, like, go for it. You can. What does that look like? under the hood, so to speak, because a B2B guest, I can see in my directory, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So in my AAD, I've got full fat Warren and I've got guest Chris, mm -hmm. right? So he called you fat. <laughs> <laughs> I heard We're it. We're talking about the user. It's recorded. It's <laughs> so horrible to me this week. <laughs> hurt my feelings. So I'm cry. <laughs> right, coming back to the episode. <laughs> so we've got the full fat user object, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the guest user object, Chris, who may be uh, limping a little bit more after as soon as this episode ends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have a directory definition for Chris, right? Yeah. So if Elizabeth Google person comes along, mm -hmm. what does it look like in my AAD? Same as what Chris would look. So you it's still the same user guest. object. Mm. Like you, we still create a user object. We mm. still uh, put the like name property if we get it and, and the email on it, and you can add more properties if you'd like to. Um, and the only difference is in that internal property that we don't expose about yeah. how, do this how's, how does this user authenticate. Yes. Um, and so that's something we'd like to expose. We just need to work through the how to actually get that into the API in a good way that's not like how we did it internally for ourselves because yeah. that's not really consumable. Yes. Um, but uh, from your perspective, you shouldn't really see a difference between those two types of accounts coming in. Uh, and and you, you'll be able to see in the UI like, oh, that one was an AAD user, this one is an OTP user. But other than that, like you get all the same properties, you can set all the same conditions, you can add them to groups and apps the same way, and like it should just work. That's massive. Yeah. That is I, massive. I, I love it. I have another question about um, the whole uh, what's, uh, B2C and B2B. Yeah. Right? So I have a Hotmail account, which mm -hmm. I use for everything. Okay. Okay. Warren, it was it at Sita today, and I use it for pretty much everything. Right. So that's a consumer account. And then somebody needed help with their Azure. Okay. So what happens is they go and they add me as a guest to their AAD. Mm -hmm. Now I get that silly pop-up that says, would you like to use your business account or would you like to use your home and personal account? Right? Um, you, it depends on how when this happened. Okay, so it was a while ago, but but mm -hmm. so now what's happened is, I cannot. So I look. I guess I could speak to the person that added me. If they remove me as a guest, will that stop happening? So and this is happening with a Hotmail account. Yeah. So I've got a Warren at was it at today and a Warren at was it at today. But the the but the, it's not it's not Hotmail.com. No, it's your domain. It's my domain. Okay. Um, but I do, ha obviously it still has the Hotmail assigned to it. Right, right. Um, so this is an unfortunate side effect of how we did B2B <laughs> before. Because um, before what we did, um, if you had an account we couldn't federate with, um, then we said, oh, that, that's fine, don't worry, we'll make an account for you. It's yeah. no problem, give us a password. And most people are like, yeah, I just gave you my password, here's my password again. Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't even realize they were creating another account. Mm. Um, and so we, I, I think, 
I don't know if we call them this externally very often, but internally we sometimes refer to those as viral accounts. Um, and most people are in a similar boat as you. They're like, I don't know why I have two accounts and I don't want two accounts. I'd rather just have one account. Um, and so that's part of why we went to bring your own identity rather than we'll create an identity for you um, is because we found that if it's a better user experience like all around, every like admins like it better because you're actually using your credentials, not some like made up third yes. party ones. And you like it better because you actually like remember the password for the account and mm -hmm. like you don't have the weird picker thing. Yes. Um, but that leaves us with still a bunch of people who already created these viral accounts um, and we need to get them out of that space as well. And so there's some things you can do if you own the domain, you can claim the tenant. Because um, what we did under the covers is we created a tenant for your domain and we put you in it. And anyone else who came in with that um, domain, we would put them in it too. Hmm. And so if you want, you can go in and go claim that domain. And then that would explain things. You might choose to like <laughs> shut it down because you're not using it. Um, but that's one way to get that to stop happening is just get rid of that account. Okay. Is that, 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 that also describes a problem that we were seeing a little while ago with, uh, with like Power BI, for example, right? So mm -hmm. company doesn't use Office 365, user turns up to Power BI and signs up with their company credentials. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden now that domain is mm. a yep. tenant is spun up. And then a little while later, company decides, hey, we want to do Office 365. And now there's a tenant already. Yep, that, that is okay. what happened. Um, like it, so there was a few places in a in Microsoft where we decided like, oh, well, we need a tenant for you. You don't have one. We'll just make you one and make it super easy for you. And it was super easy for that end user that one time. Yes. But then like a year down the, the road in step four or whatever, like that's when it becomes a problem. That's why I think it's really important for people to know what they're doing Mm -hmm. when they're they're going through these processes because they sometimes it's uh, like, great, you made me a tenant and you already have 10 users there. Fantastic, I don't have to do that work. And sometimes it's, that's not what I wanted. I needed to have it over here instead and I needed this other stuff and now I have to just tear that down and start over. Wow, that makes so much sense now. <laughs> so how do I claim this thing? Um, there's some documentation online about how you claim your domain and, and we can follow up afterwards to, okay. to figure that out. And we can stick it in the show notes for you. That's yeah. right. We'll do that. I've solved a problem today. <laughs> it's been bugging me <laughs> for so long. Oh no. I'm sorry. <laughs> because every time I authenticate, mm -hmm. I need to choose the little picker thing. And sometimes you choose the wrong one and then it's like, why is it not working? I used it yesterday. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's fine now. <laughs> so, we, let's go from you solving Warren's problem. Okay. Thank you. Great. Um, we talked a little bit about the Google Federation mm -hmm. part. Yep. Um, there are some other announcements at Ignite, right? Yeah, I think the other big announcement in the B2B space is um, we have a new feature in governance called entitlement management. And that also went GA um, this week on Monday. Uh, and that's a really cool set of features that are built on top of B2B. And so like uh, one of the complaints we hear from customers sometimes is like, gee, B2B is great, but I've got a ton of people and I want to manage them better. Um, or like I've got a bunch of resources I want to share with one partner and like I don't want to go to like these three groups and add all hundred of them and then these three apps and add the same hundred and then like these two sites and add the same hundred. And so entitlement management is a way that you can put together like a package of resources, which you call an access package, because we're fabulous at naming things. Um, mm -hmm. And you have that access package, and you put some groups and sites and apps into it. And then you can distribute the URL to your partner um, and say, hey, people at Fabricam, like I'm Contoso. I've got all this stuff you need to work with me on. Um, here's the link. If you need this access, then request it here. 
Um, and then I can go further and put a workflow over that request process to say, hey, before the, that access gets granted, I want uh, someone, like this person at Fabricam that I know is managing the project to be the one to say yes or no to those people. Um, because like I don't know the people at Fabricam, but that person does and I trust that person to, to manage this. And I could even say like, you know what, I trust that person, but not that much. So after they do their, their pass, I'm going to do mine and do some other analysis on the user before I let them in. Um, or you could even like go the other way and say, you know what, if they're from Fabricam, fine, let them in. Like, mm. no workflow. Um, and so there's really flexible about what kind of workflow and management uh, lifecycle you want on top of that. And then it's kind of similar on the end, tail end. You can um, say this access should only exist for like X amount of time or something like that. And then um, either the user can re-request it or you can say like, no, 90 days and that's it, they're out. They've got to like come in fresh next time. Um, and so that's a really powerful way to, to get some more management of your, wow. your B2B users. I can think of several scenarios that that'll yes. help me out with. So yeah, that's definitely. very awesome. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, B2B attestation and, and expiry. That's still on the wish list? Um, just in general, like blanket all B2B users should expire after X time or like what are you what are you looking for? So I have a project that starts and I have a bunch of people that I'd want to ring fence and after the project ends plus 90 days just expire mm -hmm. the objects for me. I mean that's what entitlement management is intended to do is like you would set the resources for that project in an access package and then just set the the expiration date to be like end of project plus whatever buffer you want. You can extend it or whatnot. Mm. Um, and then when the user, when the, the project is done and um, that time period has elapsed, then entitlement management will automatically not just revoke their access, but if they don't have any other access packages, we'll say, oh, they don't need an account anymore, bye-bye. Wonderful, so it actually drops the object. Yes. That's cool. That's cool. That was yeah. my that was my next question is, does it actually do the cleanup? But then there's another thing. Okay, so I'm the I'm the guest guy. I go in there and I drop a Word document, right? It expires, everything happens, deletes my account. What happens to the document? Who owns it then? So the document's still there. Yeah, um, of course. I assume it's in a SharePoint site, mm -hmm. right? So then the SharePoint site owner would still be able to access the document and reassign it as necessary. Okay, okay. I think where you're going with that is it's so easy to have orphan permissions in lots of places. Yeah, but I, I guess it's the old way of doing things, I suppose. I mean, now it should be in a SharePoint site collection. It shouldn't be in my OneDrive or whatever. Oh, it should never be in your OneDrive. Yeah. Like, but I mean, does the, the okay, so the, I, get a, I get a OneDrive folder as a guest, right? No. 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 This no. is one of those things that guests can't get in OneDrive. Well, uh, they but that can makes get sense. licensed for it. But I... But OneDrive doesn't actually Yeah, OneDrive work. will look for that in internal, external property and go, eh, they're external, I'm not giving them one. Exchange works, but OneDrive doesn't. SharePoint works, but OneDrive doesn't. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 But it would make sense, because that person's the only person with access to that, that folder. So if it drops the object, yeah. it'll drop everything. But I mean, it there. is also, a, a, in a sense, some training wheels, right? Like, mm -hmm. we really, it makes it really hard when a guest comes in, includes some stuff, and then gets a OneDrive. So... It's a better scenario. Just like no, this, just mm. doesn't work. Well, the guest wouldn't get a um, wouldn't get anything actually until you've assigned them a license. And that's what I mean, right? You can you can go in and you can include your license and what what not. Mail is one thing. Documents and ownership of documents, especially in a OneDrive, is a completely different thing. So it's it's almost 
it's almost like a really handy mm. set of safety wheels mm. to say, okay, doesn't matter if you assign or not assign this. It's not gonna, you're not, we're not gonna accidentally end up in a situation where we have orphan OneDrives floating about. Mm. Mm. Which I mean, you know, OneDrive has its own workflow for reassigning permissions anyway. But I, you know, that's we were point. talking about docs earlier today, mm -hmm. and one of the things which is nice to have in docs is this is what you shouldn't do. Right. Okay. And by uh, docs, you mean documentation? Oh, documentation, yes. yes. Uh, sorry, mm -hmm. we're, we're talking to, to Aaron, who was, who's owning docs, and we went through the whole, how is docs different, and, and, and so how is Microsoft thinking about things with um, effectively co-authoring in GitHub and, and community authorship and everything else. And mm -hmm. So with that in mind, and, and you made the point last year, there's many things that we support and many things that we don't support, right? Mm -hmm. Is it clear enough in your opinion in terms of the documentation that's out there of the the five things that you should be doing to a guest object or with a guest object and you shouldn't be doing two. <laughs> like well the thing is the, and the <laughs> problem that, we, that we've had with Microsoft for years right and we've always had this in the exchange space just because something works doesn't mean it's supported mm -hmm. so only the explicitly documented scenarios that have been tested are supported. Mm -hmm. And a very roundabout way of asking, do we have that documentation set for B2B? Yeah, we've got tons of docs for B2B. So um, if you if you just search for Azure AD B2B, um, that the first link should be the B2B docs. And if it's not, let me know and I'll go figure out how we SEO it better. <laughs> um, but like if you if you go through, we've got tons of docs about like here's how you do MFA, here's how you like set up the user, here's how you do invites, here's what Redeem looks like. like we try to, to document everything. I'm not going to say it's perfect, and if you see gaps, please let me know so we can get them plugged. Um, but uh, I know we talked about like last year, like you wanted us to document, like here are the things you can't do, and the problem is like that's literally an infinite list. Yes. And so yes. I can't document that. Yes. And and the worry we have is if we start trying to, we give the impression of like if we didn't say you can't, it's fine. Mm. And that's a really dangerous place for us to put our customers in because we don't want them to feel like they're they're safe doing something mm. that we have never tested and tried, and we just can't guarantee is going to work. Mm. And that's fair. So I mean. I, but I absolutely like would love to keep the documents like as up to date and perfect and complete as possible. So like I really mean, if you see a gap, let me know and we'll get it fixed. Our doc writers are pretty awesome. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, I'm looking at Chris because Chris likes to find uh, things like the references to on prem and change it to on premises and check check that in as a yeah. Myself and Greg Sheridan. That's kind of like our little unofficial mission is to rid okay. the world of. On-prem. On <laughs> well, on-prem I'm okay with. On-premise is the one that I kind of... Yes. And that, that's why I use on-prem, because I can never like say it properly. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I'll just use on-prem, and then no one can get mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just like we asked you last year, mm -hmm. let's ask you, what is it that you'd like to plug, that you want to, to share? Uh, obviously, docs is a big thing, but um, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, from last year to this year, what is it that you'd like to call out? Um, I think it's the things we already talked about. Like, I really hope that everyone checks out Google Federation and, and turns it on for their tenants, and then also that checks out entitlement management and see if they have scenarios that that can add some value for them as well. Mm. Um, and we've put a lot of work into both those features, so I'm really excited to see people like finally taking them to production. Like, I know a lot of people wait until a feature hits GA before they're willing to try mm. it out. So, like, no excuses anymore. Now is the time to <laughs> go try those <laughs> things. Are there are there specific feedback loops or anything that you would like people to plug into, or is the sort of comment uh, comments on docs 
where you look or user um, voice or yeah so we we pay a lot of attention to user voice okay. um we even have like internal shaming when you don't <laughs> reply to user voice fast enough um <laughs> so like user voice is a great way to to both re um lodge requests and also upvote things that are already there um and then i'm pretty active on twitter so like you're always welcome to like at mention me i'm at elisol e-l-i-s-o-l um and so feel free to just reach out and i we really love to hear feedback so Fantastic. please keep it coming that's great. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So thank you very much for coming on to another episode. Of thank course. you for solving my fun. problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. I mean, that made my day. And if you are Ignite next year, we'd love to present you with another problem that uh, we could ask you to solve. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's make a habit of it. Warren, Warren's got a, a year to come up with something new. <laughs> okay. I will. D don't. I actually do have one, but it's a very, very <laughs> long and involved conversation. Well, keep it for next year. Yes. I'll keep it for next year. <laughs> you can tell me later, like on email or something. I we'll will, see what we can do. It's a hardcore one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Makes my head spin. Because you know what? It, it's like, do I have to use MIM? <laughs> that is a longer conversation <laughs> that, that we have time for. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really, really? <laughs> or can I just use AAD Connect? Like. I'm sensing this is the part of the, the podcast that's going to fade down into silence and the lights turn down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'll mail you. Okay, yes, please do. Okay. So in the interest of not fading, thank you so much. Thank you. Again. And we'll see you again next year. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud. Alternatively, drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say. At the Cloud Arc.